0: <laughs> but as I look back on that time, reflect on that unemployment. <laughs> yeah. here's the reality. Thankfully, none of us, none of us, has to waste our lives. There is an offer on the table today for every single person in here and outside of here, all across the world, to make to discover that there is a recipe right for making sure that we do not lose those I want to pray together before we read these, these, these words from Christ and then we'll, we'll stand together <laughs> Father we are so grateful to be here again we're so grateful for that extra hour of sleep for at least that potential extra hour that we did. Uh, Lord, we are so thankful that we are your children, that as we celebrate a moment ago, because of the life and death and resurrection of your son, we are forgiven, accepted by you, declared, righteous, and we can honestly say, Father of Jesus is very fond of you. I pray that that mentality and that reality would wash over our hearts and minds today and and after the next 25 minutes or so, that you would let us hear your words, not as marching orders from a general who just wants us to obey, but words of life from our Father who loves us. God, I pray that for the next 25 minutes or so, the words in my mouth, the meditations of my will be pleasing you. You guide us with this time. Would you be with us by your spirit and a powerful and unique one? Because they don't, the, my friends here don't need to hear from me. I don't even need to hear from you. We all need to hear from you. We need you to be with us. We take you at your word that you promised that you are because your spirit dwells inside of us. Give us willing, obedient hearts. Would you speak the truth? if you like it? To the wounds of our hearts, like feeling wrong. That's what I need. And I pray for my friends because I believe be yeah. Let's stand and read Matthew 28, verse so 18. The <laughs> verse 15, Verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. So Jesus comes to us here, to the disciples here in Matthew 28, and in verse 18 we read. It says, And Jesus came and said to them. Now, before we even read Jesus' word, I want to, I've kind of hand it in some of the things I've already said, but I want to point something out. The Jesus that we are about to hear from is the one who was mocked, who was tried, who was beaten, who was crucified, who died, who went in the tomb, and is now back from the dead. This is the physical real resurrected reigning king Jesus after he has defeated sin. Okay? That's who gives us these words. This isn't just some when be, would be want to be proclaiming to be savior. This is Christ after he has declared with his death and resurrection that he is the Messiah. Okay? Now let's hear these words because if you're there that day, you are part of teaching One of us died and came back from the dead. We were all beyond the needles, just all ears waiting to hear what that person has to say. So let's listen to it as it really is, the words of our resurrected Savior. So what does Jesus say? He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He begins with this position of power that he has. Now, he says, first of all, he speaks of the of his authority. He says, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth. So, all authority in every place is mine. Is mine. Why? Because Jesus is the creator of all, and all things were made through him, and they were made for him, as Paul tells us in Colossians 1, 15, through 17. But secondly, Jesus says something else. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth Has been given to me. Given to me. The Father gave Jesus this authority. According to Philippians 2 8 through 10, Paul also tells us that Jesus' obedience unto death on the cross is what caused the Father, this is the line from that verse, to bestow on Him the name that is above every name. So here's the deal Jesus had all authority because He created everything and in some special, unique way, the Father is bestowing upon him this name. I don't really know what to do with that. I take it at face value and say that somehow his life, his obedient life and his death has now fulfilled what the Father and he have come up with since before creation. He's now inherited what has been his and rightfully his all along but now it's interesting because he proven Okay? So, put it this way. After defeating sin and death, there's nothing that Jesus does not own or rule. There's nothing that Jesus does not own or rule. There's not a particle in the universe that does not belong to our Every molecule, every single thing that exists, was created by him and for him. Every cell in your body that makes it possible for you to talk, makes it possible for you to think, see, breathe, eat, everything belongs to Jesus. That's why he can say what he's about to say to that, us, okay? That's the basis for his words here. Now, Daniel foretold of this reality that Jesus was going to receive from the Father his name above all things, that he was going to receive. All authority, 600 years before it ever happened. We read about it today in the Old Testament reading, Daniel 7 13 14. I don't want to read it again, but it said this I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Okay, so I want to put this together for us in the realm and kind of the, the, the flow of what we've been learning in this series. So, if you remember in the second week, we looked at the Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel 7 I 17. Plus anyway, in the Davidic covenant, God came to David, and he told David I'm going to give you a king from your line who's going to have a throne and a kingdom that will never end it will He will rule forever. And then Daniel is seeing the day when this son of man is, is inheriting that kingdom. Okay? The very thing that David, David, that David had received from God. Same word. Now, Daniel is seeing that happen. Christ is coming saying, all authority has been given to me identifying himself as that king who has inherited a kingdom. Okay? So let's put this into context. That's where all of this starts to tie together. And so, after speaking of his authority, Jesus gets into verses 19 and 20, and he gives us the command. Let's look at that. Look at verse 19. It says, All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. The second word we read in Jesus' command is therefore. He starts out with therefore. Because I have all authority, because I have been given all things by my Father, here's what I want you to do I want you to make disciples. I want you to make disciples. That's my command for you, is what Jesus is saying. Make disciples is the central command that Jesus gives us. And we read all of those words we're going to talk about, them. but the core of all of it is make disciples. That is what I want you to do. I have all authority, and what I am asking you to do with the authority that is rightfully mine is make disciples. Now what does that mean? What is a disciple of Jesus? We could pull out some theological dictionary and we could read it off and rattle it off and we all can it would oh, <coughs> get much more simple. A disciple is simply this, a person who follows and obeys Jesus. A person who follows and obeys Jesus. So Jesus' command to us to make disciples is simply to go and help people become people that follow and obey Jesus. He wants us to help people move from sinners at odds with God, submitting their under the authority of Christ, and following Him. and That's what it means to make disciples. And so, before we get into some of that and how that happens and all of that, I want to I stop for a second. This isn't flat out in the text, but it's very implicit and it's very important. Okay? Before we can ever make disciples, we have to be disciples. Okay? Before we can ever make disciples, we have to be disciples. So if we are ever going to be effective at getting other people to follow and obey Jesus, we have to be following and obeying him ourselves. <laughs> we want to make sure that other people submit to the authority of Christ. One of the biggest ways that we get to play part in that is by modeling living a life that's smooth it makes no sense to go and try to teach somebody to do something that you don't do. It'd be really weird if Dave Ramsey's story was backwards, wouldn't it? Like if he he started out broke and then learned all these money principles and then built his life back up, and now he goes and teaches people how to manage their money. Now, if he had a bunch of money and he was managing it really well, and then he squandered it all, now he was on the side of the road selling chili peppers or whatever it was that his story is about. Nobody would buy his books. You'd be like, this guy's a quiet. He's telling me to do something that he doesn't even do himself. This method isn't proven. He doesn't even follow. That's why it's so important that before we ever try to make disciples, we make sure that we personally are walking in the footsteps of us. People follow Jesus when they see other people. Follow um, me. What does Paul say that I say? He says, Follow me as I follow oh, Christ. This is his method of teaching. And so it's really important that we remember that it's not about getting other people to do something that we will not do. It's about doing what we know we are called to what we want to do, because we love what we're lover, and then watching people see that that lifestyle is convinced. and that lifestyle is one that they can do. That's effective cycle. So that brings me, I want to bring, bring it home to the first point in this idea of not wasting our lives. Okay. So according to what Jesus is telling us here, the first step, if we don't want to waste our lives, is simply this. We want to respond to Jesus' authority and follow and obey. If you don't want to waste your life, the surefire <clears throat> way to make sure that you don't know is to begin by responding to Jesus' as authority and obeying and following Him, Okay? That's the first step. Look back at verse 19. We're going to walk through some of this making disciples. <coughs> so. Verse 19, Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples. He begins with the word go. Now, in the books that I read this week as I was looking into some of the scholarly uh, uh, articles and, and commentaries, and etc., a lot of guys want to get all caught up in, like, well, did Jesus mean go or did he mean as you? I mean, did our Savior mean get out of here and move across the world or did he mean stay right here but as you live here? Do this? I don't think it's an either or. If you look at the scriptures, time and time again, you see that Jesus wants us to do both and. He wants us to go and as we go, make disciples. And so that's why our mission statement here at Stillman is very Very clear on where we believe we're called to do what we're called to do. Skelman Bible Church is a community determined to see God's reputation increase. And here's a part of that. Both at home and abroad. It's not either or; it's both. Our command, our calling, our privilege under the authority of our Savior is to make disciples, both at home and abroad, to go and as we go. Now. In this series, we've been talking about the fact that God's mission involves all nations, the entire world. That is why Jesus, here in this very text, he says, make disciples of all nations. Right? So we know that it at least involves God, right? Because you can't make disciples of other nations unless you go. <coughs> okay? So, now, God, God, I think that there are some people that for this season and life, God's God's command, the way that they are called to respond to Matthew 28 19, is to literally go. Like, pop in a plane, before that, sell all your stuff, pack it up, ship it over to the country you're going to move to, get over to the other side of the world, and share the gospel with people who have Share the gospel with people who have to respond to it. That is a call for our missionaries. That's a call for people like the Zabadnians, who are in the process of raising support. They are taking their two little kids. They're going to begin life in a brand new country in Asia so that people that don't know Jesus might have an opportunity to do it. It's incredible. We're we'll about something that just gets me fired up as a pastor. Knowing that we're a part of the church that is cooperating and partnering with people that are doing that, that are saying you know what, my comfort, my convenience, my little safe haven over here in Old North America, is not ultimate to me. I would rather see people on the other side of the world come to worship my feet than be saved this is That's awesome. It's awesome. So, I've said this a couple times this series. I'll say it again. There is a chance, there is a real chance that God's call on your life your family thought is a literal feeling. Okay? A lot of us just kind of duck and cover and kind of go, let it, I'm not being past No, no, no. I'm not telling you that I know that it is. I'm saying that it is worth pursuing In first. God, are you seeing me? That's a question that we should all ask. Maybe we just don't ask. Maybe we're afraid of the answer. Maybe we think, well, I haven't been to seminary God can't he can use anybody and everyone. Anybody. Now, on the flip side of this go idea, there's an as-you-go column here, and according to Acts 17, 26 through 27, God sovereignly places us where we live so that men might seek him and find him. Some of us need to hear this text today, we need to hear them go and make disciples as as-you-go call in our life right now from God, from Jesus, is to read this and to hear it as you go. We are called to realize that God has us in Dallas, Texas, in Tyler, Texas, wherever it is that we live. Because he wants us not just to work, not just to raise our kids, not just to go to DTS and fill our heads with a bunch of biblical information and declensions and case endings and vocab words not just to form a bunch of great relationships with a bunch of neat Christians who already know Jesus, but to intentionally get out there and make relationships with people who have no relationship. That is a calling that we were called to today. The question is this, are we making disciples as we go? When we go to work, when we go to school, when we go to the park, when I watch Cindy slide down the slide, am I talking to other people? other here? When I drop her off at a Spanish house, am I making relationships with the teachers and the other parents? When I go check the mail and I see my neighbor walking their dog, am I getting to know them so that they might get to know me? Those are the questions that we've got to ask ourselves. Those are the questions. Because here's the deal I think a lot of us are bucking or ducking out on the discipleship with excuses like, I just don't have time, or I have more important things to do. Here's the deal. When we come and face to face with Jesus, and we see in all of His glory, and we see that He really does bear the scars for laying down His life thoughts. We're not going to go, oh, Jesus. You know, I would have made disciples. You you know, I was a pastor. I had all these Christians I was a seminary student or a seminary prophet. I just had all these Bible classes to go through. We're not going to say that. We're not going to see. We're going to look face to face with Jesus, and we're going to realize whatever excuse we have over on earth melts away, and we don't even think of even daring and find out. Not trying to speak condemnation, I'm just trying to say there is no excuse that is worthy of ducking out and such, because Jesus is and is what He has promised. The other thing I think that a lot of us struggle with, and Lexi and I talked about this this week, is I think a lot of us are concerned that we don't know how to. Listen. Talking to other people about Jesus or about the Bible seems awkward weird, foreign, like med Flanders. <laughs> but it's not. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to talk about Jesus and like slip into like biblical language. Talk to it. talk about him like you talk about your kids. Talk about him when you talk about your friends. If he really is your your Lord, your Savior, if he's real, if he's in your life, if you're walking with him, it should be on your heart. It should be on my mind. It should be on my lips. You know, this, this past week we, we have something really really fun. finally happened. We've been getting to know some neighbors. Last Saturday they came over and brought up this awesome breed with a really great crackers and this Fancy honey that, like, basically didn't stick to anything, but was still really good. Really anyway, we came over at the referee. We're hanging out. We're in our living room. We're talking about everything under the sun jobs and housing and Dallas and Europe and all kinds of stuff. It's, one of my neighbors is from Scotland, and his fiance is from El Salvador. That's right. And, uh, you know, we've been meeting together. We went to a birthday party at their house a few months ago and since in it was like neither of us saw each other. We have alleys on my street and so you can like easily just land in your garage and you know if you don't go check them out at the same time it doesn't really have to. End. So anyway finally we started running into each other over the last couple of weeks and their dog was out walking in, and we were hitting the middle and stuff. And so we decided to make this happen. At the end of our conversation about all these other things. I think Irene that's that's her name she, she asked me she so was well what do you do? I always dread that question because usually that's what i like, well, we're gonna you need know, to turn in and head next door and go to sleep. because as soon as they hear you a pastor, they feel like a church. <laughs> but uh they sat there in our living room and we started talking and we just talked about Jesus. We didn't talk about church, we didn't really say anything about oh we're Bible church people and that's what this means. We started talking about Jesus and who he is and why we love him, why he's everything. And it was really cool, like, you could see, she had this Catholic background, and you could see that for her, it was like, "Man, this is real, and something. She was like, when are your services? And I said 10, and she was like, "Well, oh, it's too early. <laughs> I was like, okay, we'll keep talking. <laughs> but her fiance, her, her, uh, Trusted as his name, he didn't seem as interested, maybe I'll have to work on him a little bit more. Um, you just see, like, he's one of the I didn't quote scripture. Like, it didn't, like, be like, well, i my times this week, you know, we didn't start throwing around a bunch of you, but we we'll just talked about you. And it's a Because Jesus is impossible to not be a trap. he is. he is. So my challenge is, let's just remember this. We're talking about a living, reigning, resurrected, and savior who's our best friend and the desire of our souls. I think that's the case of it, Oh, wow. let opportunity. Now, what I'm saying here is, you know, maybe maybe these ideas of going and as we go, are one of those is intended for us. My question, or my, my, my challenge today, is really, let's just ask God for the grace to help us both go and make disciples and make disciples and but what else does Jesus have to say about making disciples? He says this in verse uh, 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is an important part of discipleship because it's one of the very first steps of obedience in following Jesus. If discipleship is about obeying and following Jesus, then go figure, if he tell us to repent and be baptized, and to go and baptize, then maybe that's one of the first things we going to do. Once we've responded to who he is as himself. In baptism, what a person is doing, they are identifying their, themselves with Jesus, publicly proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that they believe that salvation is found in the and I don't know where you are today. Maybe you, you came to faith in Christ 10, 20, 30 years ago when you haven't been baptized, I want to challenge you to think about me, to come talk to me or one of the other elders about doing because that. Because baptism is a beautiful. It's a way that you publicly demonstrate your faith in Christ. It's also a way where you get to kind of tell your friends and tell others, hey, this is what I'm about. Jesus is who defines me. And I'm asking you to help me. It's a, it's a really cool thing. I'd love to talk to you about it if you have a good Let's keep reading. In verse 20, Jesus says this. "Baptizing in them the name of the Father, Son, and Holy the Spirit, in the 20. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This is my time, means i got to it. <laughs> Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Observe is just another word for obey. So Jesus says, "Part of making disciples is helping people obey Jesus, not just teaching them the Bible, teaching them to obey specifically Jesus." Okay, so what we need to understand here is Jesus is more interested in your obedience, is more interested in my obedience than he is my intelligence or my biblical knowledge. And I'm not saying he doesn't want us to know the word. I'm saying that word that is known but unlived is less important than the word that is He who sees the word and yet doesn't do it is like one who looks in the mirror and forgets who it is and says, Today, in the in New Testament reading in John 14 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. What does Jesus call us to teach them? To observe. What are his commandments? He says, All that I have commanded. You. All that I have commanded. You. Now, in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus summarizes his commandments for us. And I've preached this text before. In Matthew 22, 37 through 40, the guy comes to Jesus and says, What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, Love the Lord your God, while your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like you. love your neighbor as yourself. so Jesus' commandments. All that he has commanded us, that we're called to pass on to others as disciple disciples, is to teach them to love God and to love people. I love how simple Jesus is. Don't worry about all those laws and rabbis. All of those, what he says also in Matthew 22, is the entire law hangs on these two things. Love God and love people. Beautifully simple. Follow Jesus, love God, love people. That's what he his Anybody unclear about what that is? Please. Now, discipleship may start with personally following and obeying Jesus, but what we see here that never ends. Up. A true disciple of, or follower of Jesus follows and obeys Him, and helps others follow and obey Jesus, teaching them to love God and love people. So, the second step in this recipe for how do I make sure that I don't waste my life is help others follow and obey Jesus. Help others follow and obey Jesus completely. If we do that, we will not waste our lives. It's impossible to waste your life if you make it about following Jesus and others do this. Look back at verse 21. It says, teaching them to observe all that I command you, and then here in his last word, these are Jesus' very last words in the entire gospel of Matthew. After this, the book's over. Here's what he says. He gives us a promise. He says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always to the end of the age. And I like the way the NIV does it. It says, And surely I am with you. And surely I am with you. Notice he. of Jesus as God with us. At the end of his gospel, he defines Jesus. Even though he's ascending to the Father, he will still continually be God with us. That's the promise for us to So, Jesus is with us, and then it says he is with us always. Always. There's never a time that Jesus isn't with us. There's never a time that the Holy Spirit is like, hey, I'm going to go to Alaska and come. Like, hey, I'm going to go down to South America Little nasty up here. I want to go see somewhere else and get out of this weather. The spirit always indwells us, and so Jesus is always with us. There isn't a season of our lives that we go through without Jesus. When you went to surgery last week, Jesus was with you. Cody and Mandy go to Baylor Hospital. Man, you can birth to me and Jesus will be with you. When you get a call sometime over the next few weeks, months, or years, and your loved one has passed away, Jesus will be with you. When Ed walked through his journey cancer, with cancer, Jesus will be with you. And there's nothing that we face that Jesus will really Do you know what the other beautiful thing about this is? promised presence never survived. <coughs> it never runs out. It says, I will believe to the end of the age. To the end of the age. Last week in Matthew 24, we read about at the end of the age is actually when Jesus comes back physically, when he returns to the earth. Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. And between now and when he returns physically, he is with us spiritually by the Spirit, that dwells in us. We are never alone. We are never on our own. We never have to fear. Our Savior who conquered the grave, who conquered sin, is with us always. And he who conquered sin.
1: We want to make sure we don't
0: waste our lives. The last thing is that we have to rest in Jesus' presence. Rest in Jesus' presence. And I want to say this, we will find some meaning in following Jesus, and we will find some meaning in helping others follow Jesus, but that is not where the heart of life that is well lived is. A life that is well lived, a life that is not wasted, is rooted in rescuing the presence of us. Because you can be on mission for Jesus, you can follow and obey Him and help others follow and obey Him from a place of fear and, and submission. But Jesus doesn't want our begrudging submission. It's always after. Jesus wants our joyful, loving worship. And the way that we maintain that is by resting in that. We are needed to be vitally connected to a Bible. Now, there was a time in my life when I realized that the key to feeling meaningful and the key to not feeling like I'm wasting my life was actually when I was not doing it. It was actually in the heart of that season where I was unemployed. I'll never forget this, and I've shared this with a couple of you because One day I was in the middle of this whole job search deal, and I was just fed up, and I was like, I gotta get out of the house. Gotta get out of the house. So I walked around the corner to Subway, and on the way, about halfway to Subway, it was not one of those moments, like, God didn't speak audibly, heavens didn't part, I didn't touch the offering, not what I was saying. But, in a very clear, just absolutely just I know God wants me to know this. God communicated to me, Jeremiah, I have you doing nothing right so that you know that I love you, not because of love you. I have you sitting on your butt, doing nothing in right, and partially because you need to love. But I love you because of who I am, and because Jesus has paid the price for you in your mind. Not really. And one of the greatest gifts God's ever given me. And there's one, a moment, whatever.